Hello. You're listening to Dream Infringement. Why, hello there. Am I? Boom, ba-dum, bum, bam. I'm listening to it live. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> but first, it's important that you know that you are listening to KFKQ 89.5 FM Ashland, Oregon, and KFKQ Translator K2. 3-1-C-W-94.1 FM, Medford, Oregon. That was a mouthful. Also streaming at oh, www.kfkq.org. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Look at all these ways to listen. How can you stand it? Ah. It can't be done. It cannot be done. So, as we said, you're listening to Dream Infringement. And Dream Infringement is a super squad of four friends. Adara Spiffy Burns, Bobby Chico de Gallo Castillo, Jennifer the Scheduler Woodside, which is me, and Emily the Four-Eyed Evader Castillo. We enjoy telling stories and playing songs based on a weekly theme. You'll never guess what our weekly theme is this week. I won't? Well, you might, because I think someone told you. What am I supposed to know? Oh, no. <laughs> but the theme is, sometimes we don't tell Bobby. <laughs> Let him figure it out. <laughs> but Adara, we, we did tell her ahead of time. Yeah, this time I actually do know. <laughs> Taking all the fun out of everything. <laughs> My goodness. Are you going to say what it is? Oh, am I going to do it? Yeah. All right. This week's theme <laughs> is weird history. People did a lot of weird stuff. They're still doing weird stuff, which will then become weird history. But (laughs) Their weird stuff is ceaseless. Yeah. Humans are an endless supply of oddities, whimsicality, and horrifically bad decisions. And scalpels, We're doing so good at that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Maybe we should try and learn how to do good at something else than that. (laughs) We've got this covered. Mm, But this is so easy. It comes naturally. It really does. So we have a song for you. We do, we do. And it is July, July by the Decemberists. Old favorite. Yep. And we're back. You'll have to give us like a few, like a minute to just kind of like gauge all the levels because it's, it's, there's various levels going on. And, and you know, the thing about dream infringement is we're all different, which means we all have different voices and different levels of volumes at which we speak. So I have to compensate for that as the in-studio um, engineer. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Would you like, to, would you like us to sound off and maybe... Oh, yeah. Tell something for a little bit. So you can gauge those. Yeah. Why don't you, Emily, why don't you start? You can tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, hi. I'm Emily. Um, I am wearing a shirt I found in the depths of my closet. Realized it was a pretty sheer shirt. So I layered it on top of a tunic. How modest of you. (laughs) Thank you. I try to. uh, I'm a modest lady. Great. Yeah. Well, that's one of the. You know, one of the, the things about Emily that you'll notice as as the show goes on. Adara would like to speak. Oh, Adara. Yeah, your level <laughs> is perfect, Emily. So, Adara, you're next. I was just going to say that Emily looks cute. Um, oh. And I like the braid with it. It oh. reminds me of, like, a cool teen. Thanks. But, like, a cool teen. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Cool teens. Um, Jennifer? Hi, I'm Jennifer. I... 
if all things go according to plan, I'm having gallbladder surgery on Friday. So, ooh, Very get exciting. that gallbladder out of there. Yeah. I decided like, it? it was the Marie Kondo method <laughs> where I'm just like, you don't bring me joy. Yeah. Goodbye. Did, they re- did you request to have them like place it in your hands to see how you feel? No, it? it's a really ugly organ. I don't want to look at it. Okay. It's like green and oh you should put it in a jar and like bring it out when you have guests that would be really cool yeah because i'm not weird enough i need to really expand <laughs> the weirdness so i'm like thank you gallbladder because you're supposed to think like the house in the marie condo so okay. you're like thank you gallbladder for supplying yeah. bile and letting me digest things for you know this long um but yeah. now you, you have to go away this is so touching because it's like you're saying goodbye to like a, a lifelong friend Mm-hmm. I mean, the, your gallbladder turned enemy. <laughs> turned enemy. It turned against me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lock it up and put away, throw away the key. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be interesting. I'm yeah. staying at my parents' house, and um, I'm debating if I should just invest in a bell to like how not. No, I can text oh, her we now. We have a bell. We we oh, um, no, I can just text her my demands. Yeah, but do you want a bell? Because we have one. <laughs> no, no, you should definitely do the bell thing. <laughs> I did a bell thing when I was sick once. It was. Aww. It actually just made me feel really bad, but you should try it. Well, our, our bell is more of like a hear ye, hear ye. That's true. Is it like yeah. a cowbell? Um, no, it's more of like a like a um, like a classic bell. Like oh. I don't know how to explain. I don't know like the levels I of bells. I wanted gong instead. I feel like that's oh more. a small gong. gong. Yeah, that would be cool. Gong, feed me breakfast. Well, Bring me ice water. Also, like a slightly less irritating tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 If I'm going to annoy you repeatedly, let it be in a pleasant, melodious mm-hmm. notification. Well, yeah. if if one of our greatest um, uh, friends of the friends of the show, Scott, is listening, he actually gave me the beautiful opportunity of whacking a gong. I don't know what you call it when you hit a gong. Hitting a gong? a gong, ringing. Well, the song "Ring a Gong" is makes me think that that's what it is. Maybe but, ring. I mean, I don't but know it's if I like can trust them ring for feels, proper grammar. Yeah. But it was really wonderful. It was a wonderful gong experience. A gong. I gonged it really hard. And um and it was like in the mountains, this oh, particular wow. gong. And it was like hanging from the these like gong. Yeah, from these like cathedral like rafters. Yeah. It was it was a beautiful experience. I carry it with me always. Unlike your gallbladder, which you will no longer be. Carrying. Which I will be divested of. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, um, so we got our our gauges and our levels and everything all figured out. Yeah, you all sound, sound great. Absolutely, you sound wonderful. This is this Rest sounds like radio. Standards. Yeah, this is radio. It sounds like a real radio show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it isn't so. And um, it's a beautiful. This is a beautiful evening because guess what, listeners? For the first time in months, mm. all four Dream Infringers are occupying one space. We are. Yeah. Oh no, this goodness. is the first time. Aww. <laughs> hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> We've got the finally the Dream Infringement energy. Yeah. The full force. And Dream I, Infringement yeah. back again. <laughs> yes. Doing and I got to say. Radio time. Nice. That's Took good. a while okay. for us oh, to she's get here. Because <laughs> Hershey Street is just closed. Yeah. Yeah. It's just closed. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the particular street that our studio is on is just like all kinds of messed up. So. It's not really functioning as a street no. currently. No. Um, and then there's other streets ni- nearby it that also aren't working as streets. Mm-mm. And so it's like a detour <laughs> to get to the detour. And if you have scary. a stick shift, oh, oh it is. Oh. Oh, They're like, could you just stop at the top of the hill? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I was like, I, I literally no. was like, it might not be pretty <laughs> stick shift here. I gotta say, it's like 
it was almost like there were outside forces just like trying to prevent us from doing this. I know, and Jennifer warned us, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, we got we this. We didn't really take we, it seriously. We didn't got that. We didn't got no, that. No, not yeah. at all. And I got to say, all three of you, you look absolutely stunning since the last time I've seen all of you. I look worse somehow. I think you look the I same. Think Bobby's fishing for compliments. Should we throw I mean, him a just, bone? Uh, my group, this hair of mine, and you know, the, the my skin. And... You did shave. I saw you shaving. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was actually gonna say that your hair looked nice, but now oh. I feel like I can't because okay. you're that's trying not, too hard. So that's not how it works. You don't. You don't just like mm -hmm. bait your friends to tell you nice <laughs> things. No. No. I'm going to have to rework my whole method. Well, I mean, it might work. It's not how we work. <laughs> Try it on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, so oh the, yeah. Yes, yeah. There you go. So the more I want something, the less you are all inclined to give it to me. That is um, yes. absolutely right. If you're trying to trick me into it, yeah, if you ask me to compliment you, just like in a straightforward way, yeah. I think you have a better chance. Okay. 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 Well, I'm going to I'm going to file that away. Thank you for that. Um okay. So your first have, step. Have yeah, we talked are. about the theme? Yeah, we have. Okay, the theme, historical. Get into it, Bobby. Yes, yeah. Um, I just would like to warn the listeners, this is a slightly sad piece that I'm going to be delivering. Um, also, my co-host, so that you don't chime in with jokes at my expense while I'm doing it. Let's try to keep things, you know. Let let the flow of the piece. Did you learn nothing you. from the compliment conversation we just had? <laughs> oh, is this gonna make you just want to take pot shots at me? Yes. Okay. I don't know. I felt like that was a direct request. It, it I'm willing was, to take but it. It just oh, it's just so hard. I'm oh, gonna try. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna really try, Bobby. Okay. Thank. You. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Let's see. Um, okay. When I was a kid, I used to play this game with my sisters. One of us would pretend to die. A death caused by any number of imaginary weapons. Lightsaber, poisoned fruit, death punch. But that wasn't the fun part of the game. The part I loved the most were the moments after the lethal blow was inflicted. See, I'd very dramatically fall to the ground, gasp for air, and then lie motionless for as long as I could. That was what made the whole thing seem real. Of course, I'd base this off death scenes I'd collected from movies. But that's what I think you do as a kid. It's how you process the heaviest parts of life. The parts that maybe you don't understand, but you know exist. That's just what we did. We pretended to die over and over and over again. Which leads me to a man who practiced dying over and over again. His name? Eric Weiss. Better known by his stage name, Harry Houdini. In the early 1900s, he sold tickets, filled theaters, had audiences made up of kings and queens, emperors, dictators, politicians, famous writers. Everyone wanted to see Houdini. They wanted to witness, bringing him, they wanted to witness him bringing himself to the brink of death only to escape its grip and live to do another show. A couple famous acts, the Milk Canics Escape. In this act, Houdini was handcuffed and sealed inside an oversized milk can filled with water and made his escape behind a curtain. The second, Chinese water torture cell. In this escape, Houdini's feet were locked in stocks and he was lowered upside down into a tank filled with water. The mahogany and metal cell featured a glass front through which audiences could clearly see Houdini. The stocks were locked to the top of the cell and a, and a curtain concealed his escape. Obviously, he liked the risk of a drowning death, and so did audiences. 
Well, how does a man who makes a living cheating death finally die? Ruptured appendix. Anticlimactic, I know. But on October 31st, 1926, Houdini was killed by a college student's punch. The student had seen Houdini's acts where he received multiple blows to the torso without re reacting and attempted to replicate the trick by viciously punching Houdini while his guard was down. Unfortunately, he did not give the magician time to brace for the attack, and his punches ruptured Houdini's appendix, killing him. His light bulb burned out, not with a show-stopping burst, but a quiet flicker. This brings me to my own recent experience with death. A few weeks ago, my grandpa had a heart attack, and he went into a coma. He was taken off of life support a few days later, and he died soon after. He had always been this dynamic person. He was a tall, athletic man. Athletic in a competitive kind of way. And he could talk like it was his job. He had endless stories for every occasion. Stories that, kept, that his children kept and curated and passed on in the same storytelling kind of way that he'd relate them. Some of his greatest hits were being harassed by Bigfoot in the late 50s, riding with Hell's Angels, and graduating high school by doing nothing the first semester and then hitting the books the second half. That last one was always hard to believe. I spent Just the, the last one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry. I sp no, it's okay. Sorry. No, we, this that. is radio. It's live. It's oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the last evening before you passed in his hospital room with my grandma, two aunts, two great aunts, my mom, and my youngest cousin. It was honestly weird to occupy the same space as him and not hear him being the biggest personality in the room. He was quiet and small, but he wasn't alone. He was surrounded with people he loved, people who loved him. People who loved him. Uh, and they were doing the thing that he loved the most, telling stories. In the end, his light bulb burned out, not with a show-stopping burst, but a quiet flicker. I'm grateful I could be there before it happened. In that room full of love and memories, when I was a little boy, I played a game with my sisters where I'd pretend to die. I'd fall to the ground and lie motionless for as long as I could to make it more believable. But I'd also do something else. As I laid there, I'd very carefully peek through my slightly opened eyelids to make sure my sisters were still there, to make sure they hadn't given up on the game. Emily, oh. Emily's rearranging the studio. I want you all. I want you all to have air. Oh, uh, thank you. So this is very nice. Very nice of you. All right. So, <laughs> it looks so much better now. Like the the desk is on the other side of the room. Like it's just so. It's so nice. It's more. Um, what do they call it? What's that thing? It's got good feng, feng shui. Got some more feng shui going on. Right. Yeah. Ah, I miss. I miss the desk. Okay. So Jennifer up. Uh, so I once read about how in the 1700s, pineapples were very rare and quite expensive. Um, the modern equivalent, they would be about $8,000. And people longed for the status symbol a pineapple would bring them. And they would rent pineapples to carry around with them at special events. And this had always been really funny to me. And I wrote a fictional account of how this might have played out back in the day. And I asked all my dreaming infringement crew members, fellow friends to um, do the play with me. To so. lend our act 
acting ability. <laughs> so. Is that good? <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, that's more of I a can't wait for what, more. what's to come. <laughs> Just a little taste. All right. So this is called Love in the Time of Pineapples. Act one. It's a hot, humid southern night under a full moon. Four men stand on a deserted dock. An older man speaks with a younger man, while the other two men with a far more ominous presence stand at a distance. The young man, tall, powerful, but a stranger to these parts and from humble beginnings. He wants to use this fresh start to make something of himself in a new town. It's full of opportunity if you just had one chance. The older man is stooped with age and weathered. He looks harmless, but the greedy gleam in his eyes is anything but. Truly, it's something every distinguished gentleman has to have to be the esteemed frontrunner of his peers. It's the only accessory you need to open doors around here. That's right. You, too, can become, for just one night... The owner of a singularly precious pineapple. Look at this pineapple, son. Smell it. Smell it. Hold it in your hand. Imagine it for a moment. You walk into the biggest ball of the season with this at your side. People from across the room stop dancing to get a better view of the man. The great man with the pineapple. And... This is an amazing deal, son. For only $5, I will let you borrow one of my fine pineapples. Look at this. It's in pristine condition. All that I ask is you return my pineapple in the same perfect condition. I'm just a lonely pineapple merchant. I'm trying to get by in this world, and I want to help you out, young man, because you seem like a fine young boy. And I know that we're all just out here struggling to succeed in these times. So out of the goodness in my heart, I'm going to do this for you. The young man gives Rutledge five dollars, all he has besides the clothes on his back, and he signs the contract. The next evening, he makes his way to one of the most decadent parties of the season. Act two. Algernon Bartlesby walks nervously up to the front of the huge mansion. He can see a large gathering of people in expensive and extravagant clothing. He grasps his pineapple of opportunity nervously, and he approaches a servant, manning the front entrance to make sure that only invited guests are allowed in. Hmm. Hello, good sir. Hello. Do you have your special engraved one-of-a-kind Invitation embossed with real gold to gain entrance into this, the most esteemed and grandiose event of the season. Uh, I seem to have forgotten my fancy invitation at home. Uh, You see, I needed both hands to carry this magnificent pineapple. Ah, pineapple, you say? Why, good sir, say no more. We humbly welcome you into our modest, perhaps dismal mansion, compared to what you must be used to. As Mr. Bartlesby begins to circulate amongst the partygoers, the matriarch of the household, Clara Bell Wellington, reclines in abject and total misery on an elaborate fainting couch, watching over her house guests, clutching a wrinkled handkerchief and smelling salts to her chest. 
Alas, my poor pathetic daughter, Josephina is 17, clearly past her prime and doomed to spinsterhood. Oh, cruel fate, why must we be denied a man worthy of my precious daughter? Why? Why, who is that charming young gentleman <laughs> with the pineapple? I must have his acquaintance at once. A few moments later, because Mrs. Wellington is extremely efficient. Josephina, Josephina, have you met Mr. Bartlesby, who owns a pineapple? A pineapple? Oh, mama, I have never seen a pineapple before. <laughs> oh, you must think I'm awfully quaint and backwards, but may I... May I touch that pineapple, my dear, Mr. Bottlesby? Oh, but of course. Um, doesn't it smell wonderful? I shall have to eat it later. <gasps> Why even have a pineapple if you cannot eat it? What? Eat the pineapple? Why, Mr. Bottlesby, I declare you must be quite wealthy. Well, I don't like to brag, Josephina. That's it. I just don't like to brag. Act three. Later that night in the library, the patriarch, Lyman Wellington, smokes a malodorous cigar. He paces the room, muttering under his breath, while Josephina looks on with tireless patience, gained from a lifetime of practice. Ugh. Josephina, who was that young man paying so much attention to you? Why, Papa, it was Mr. Bottlesby. I don't know if I like that young buck courting you, Josephina. We don't know his family. He don't have roots here. How do we know he's all kind of people? But Papa, did you see he brought a pineapple? Oh, well, to our nation. A pineapple? Any man with his own pineapple is fine by me. You have my blessings, Josephina. Thank you, Papa. Sadly that night, Mr. Bartlesby slightly over-imbibed. He is finding the walk home in the dark somewhat treacherous with his compromised sense of balance. Suddenly, two large men dressed in black, suspiciously familiar, appear out of nowhere. They jostle him in passing. The pineapple falls from his hands and tumbles into the street, where it is trampled underfoot by the self-same mysterious jostlers. No! He cried. My pineapple! My pineapple! My pineapple! <laughs> Act 4. The next evening, two strangely familiar greasy-looking henchmen corner Mr. Bartlesby at his humble dwelling. Well, Mr. Bartlesby, where is our pineapple? I, I left it at home. How silly of me. I will go get it soon. I just need to go away uh, from you. Oh, my Mr. Bartlesby. Perhaps you've forgotten you are already home. And you, my dear sir, owe us a pineapple. So, interesting thing. Um, Well, if I didn't have the pineapple, then... Mr. Bartlesby, we are not in the fruit salad business. We're in the pineapple business. We gave you a pineapple, and we expect a pineapple back. Or we will demand payment. 
Perhaps indentured servitude until you have paid it off <gasps> with interest. <laughs> I see by the look on your face that this idea is displeasing to you. Mm -hmm. Oh dear. What can be done? Tell you this. Why don't we give you one more chance? We've heard you are the lucky suitor of Miss Josephina Wellington. If you can seal her undying love with matrimony and can convince her dear, rich father to become your pineapple benefactor, we might just let it slide and let you keep all your teeth. Rutledge is not always so monogamous, Mr. Brattlesby. I suggest you take this opportunity. Oh, and Mr. Bottlesby, we have brought you a second pineapple. We suggest you woo the lady of your dreams with this extravagant gift. After all, when you are in debt as much as you are, what is one more pineapple? Sadly, Mr. Bartlesby was much too agitated to notice that the new pineapple was also the previous pineapple. For you see, the night of the tragic jostle and pineapple trampling, one of the mysterious men had snagged the perfectly ripe and lovely pristine pineapple from Mr. Bartleby, Bartleby's hands, and the pineapple, which Mr. Bartlesby saw horrifically trampled, was a stand-in. That had begun to rot and no longer had marketable value. Mr. Rutledge had perfected this scam to perfection, and now he was able to charge Mr. Bartlesby in full for two pineapples. Act 5. Later in the parlor of the Wellingtons' home, after a brief conversation with Mr. Wellington, Mr. Bartlesby has obtained his blessing to propose to the lovely pineapple enamored Josephina. Mr. Bartlesby has taken to one knee and has clasped her hand to his chest. Oh, Josephina, I have never felt like this for anyone in my life. I feel like I and my teeth cannot live without you. Oh, Mr. Bottlesby, is that the same pineapple from a few nights ago? Oh, no, Josephina. This is a new pineapple. Your pineapple. This one is for you and you alone. Mr. Bartlesby, I've never been given anything like this. Hmm. I shall consider it a symbol of our love and keep it forever. Well, until it rots and decays and gets maggots. But till then, it will be an enduring testament to our undying affection and esteem. Oh, Mr. Bartlesby, you must be very wealthy. <laughs> I must be. Mr. Bartlesby, I don't know what to say. Say yes, Josephina. Let us run away and get married. And we can live off of sweet ambrosia and pineapple nectar. Oh, but of course, Mr. Bottlesby. Act 6. After the wedding, when the pineapple bill comes in. <laughs> I have been hustled, scammed, bamboozled, hoodwinked, and led astray. I was taken advantage of. He was poor all along. He rented a pineapple like the devious cat he is, a good-for-nothing, black-hearted son of a gun, who led us to believe he had wealth beyond imagination. I was blinded by the power of the pineapple. However, I do not want my little girl, my precious daughter Josephina, to suffer my trespasses. As God as my witness, we shall never speak of this again, and never more shall a pineapple darken the doorway of the Wellington household. 
Be assured, dear listeners, after the initial shock of betrayal, they all really did manage to live happily ever after. The end. Yay! Clapping and, for ourselves. And scene. I, I wanted. I was clapping for <laughs> the amazing performance. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That was good. That was good. (laughs) So our uh, cast lineup, uh, Jennifer was the narrator and also Clarabelle Wellington. Mm -hmm. Uh, Emily was Josephina. Mm -hmm. I, Ah. Bobby, was Bartlesby. Oh, my. And Adara... (laughs) With her her many voice talents was Lyman Wellington, the servant and the henchman and Rutledge. So we, I just wanted to make that clear so that every, because we all disguised our voices very well. <laughs> we did. Yeah. We did. like we had voice actors. Yeah, it's true. It's, we breaks. didn't have actors file in and then do this show. Surprise. <laughs> it was us. So I don't know. I have a song, but I don't know I, if we're running too late on time. How, oh, how are y'all feeling? No. We always, we have plenty of time. I think we could play this yeah. song. It, we have plenty. It is called Pineapple Princess by Annette. Bunicello. Clearly, we have to play this song. <laughs> oh, I yeah. think you do. It, it. <laughs> Wait, are you saying you want to play the Annette Funicello? <laughs> the very one and yes. sa- the same. Oh, my word. And we're back with those stories and songs that you love the most told and sang by the people or played by the people who you also love the most. <laughs> we sing all our own songs as well. <laughs> I do a mean Annette. <laughs> what were you saying? You were saying something about you're like, oh, if only I could sing this song on the radio. Mm-hmm. Oh, we uh, heard a song. I don't remember. On the radio. I think it was Bobby wanted Funky to Cold it. Medina. I don't think that no. was the one. No? That okay. Funky Cold Medina. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that might be the only time that we ever like reference that song ever. I feel like it's come up before. <laughs> oh, that song! Oh. Boom, boom. Yeah. Right. I actually am pretty sure I have talked about the Funky Cold Medina before on this yeah, radio program. Yeah, it seems to be a you and Bobby thing. That should be a theme. That should be our theme. I don't. Next I don't know week, how to listeners. Make that work. <laughs> I don't think that that should be our like theme. Does it have some horrible meaning yeah. or something? No, oh, yeah, it's I'm sure it not good. Isn't it? Like, is oh, it like a drug? Oh my yeah, goodness! It's kind of about roofing people. Okay. Yeah, that's sort of the yeah, theme. Bobby. Uh, yeah, Bobby. Okay, theme. thank you for that. Um, okay, yeah, try finding a '90s R&B song that isn't about roofing people i mean come on let's think about what we're talking about (laughs) there are a lot of problematic 90s r&b songs so there are actually when i was putting together the playlist for your graduation party there were a lot of songs that i had to like i'm like will will uh uh dr adara's Mm. grandfather like be offended in any way by this song i feel like the there's a certain age range where they're like, what? What was that? That is highly inappropriate. And then there's an age where they're like, I couldn't hear anything. This That's new true. Music. I don't care. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Emily, Emily, okay. Emily. All right. So are you ready to drop this? I'm ready. Okay. And now for your favorite game show, What in the World History? Starring your host from the West Coast, Emily. That's me. I'm the announcer and the host. Yay! Thank you. Oh, not that kind of show. (laughs) All right. Our first trivia question goes to Adara. Oh. (laughs) 
Adara is a post-millennial and recent nursing school graduate with a penchant for melted cheese. Adara. All right, here's your first question. Multiple choice. Albert Einstein could have been president of what country when it was formed? Is it A, Liechtenstein? Is it B, Agraba? Or C, Israel? I'm pretty sure the French really loved him. So, mm, Liechtenstein, final answer. Uh, sorry, Adara, it's Israel. But why? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you so, gotta know this stuff. Apparently, Albert Einstein, like, I don't know if he grew up Jewish or, like, later on had a connection with the Jewish people. And then Israel became a country of its own in like 1948 and the president died in 1952 huh. and they wrote a letter to Albert Einstein and they're like hey you want to be the president because like you're cool they were scouting yeah and they were like you can also keep doing your science stuff or whatever <laughs> and then he wrote like the nicest um letter uh, declining oh, wow. it and I don't think anyone will look it up but if you do it's like super polite and nice wow that's everything so. he did was super polite. Right? Nice, so. I was kind of surprised. <laughs> you ask him to be president, and he's Mr. Manners. Oh, <laughs> right? That's what right. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, folks. This is the game show where you learn stuff. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Jennifer. Jennifer works in the medical field, loves cats, and is soon to be lacking a gallbladder. All right, Jennifer, here's your question. Those are all true things about her. <laughs> they are. Yes. I think Why would all I been lie? True things about all not, not one lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. In 1929, researchers at Princeton University claimed they had turned a living cat into what? A, a telephone, B, a sandwich, or C, a dog? Well, technically, you could turn a cat into a sandwich, but let us never speak of that again. I'm going to go <laughs> with C, a dog. No. Sorry, Jennifer. It's A, telephone. They were studying auditory, like, things. Interesting. And they, but everything I've looked up says they claimed to have done it. So I'm not so sure. I wonder if, like, could it be both at the same time? Or like a cat. It and was a like telephone? you had a cat. Now it's you have like a telephone. Cat. Yeah, it's not. It did, they didn't kill it. They just. It's Do you know how hard it would be to use a cat as a telephone? When it rang, <laughs> was it like meow 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 meow? I, I don't know. Oh, and then like when you had to leave a message, was it like the sound of like um what Purring? are those things that they like Purring. to go to the bathroom in? Oh, a kitty litter. litter? Was it sound like scratching of kitty kitty litter? Like. Sure. Yeah. Leave a message after the they had it was. machines in nineteen twenty nine. Yes. All right. Our last contestant is Bobby. Me? Bobby? Yes, you. <laughs> Surprise. Oh, I didn't Come see it coming. Now. I'm not ready. This uh, is your okay, life. okay. Let's do this. Bobby is a hardworking father of two, mends his own clothing, and best describes his personal style as gnome core. This is a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bobby. Roman Emperor Gaius, also known as Caligula, made this important figure in his life a senator. Was it A, his fun uncle, B, his horse, or C, his favorite rock? Well, uh, after giving this much thought and uh, consideration, I would have to say A, his funkle. Eh. 
<laughs> you're also wrong. Oh. It was B, his horse. No, I think I'm right. No, <laughs> I think I'm right. Uh, yeah. Wait, was it a horse and an uncle? It might have been. I'm not plugging Can I get a lifeline? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you never know. All right. Well, we have one uh, bonus question. For who? Anyone. I know this one. I thought Oh, all right. of us. All of us. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Before dentures were invented, teeth were pulled from what? For use as prosthetics, A, coyotes, B, deceased pets, or C, dead soldiers. Oh, this is disturbing. <laughs> okay, Adara, you hit that buzzer first. Dead people. You are correct. Oh, yeah. oh man, this is like very, uh, yeah, it's like this is true history stuff. <laughs> it sure is. It was <laughs> very lucrative and yeah. people could like pick out the teeth they wanted. Oh my goodness. Oh, um, oh yeah, you can like pick out the teeth of someone who like just ate like porridge their whole life. So And then they would like put them together with a wire and sort mm -hmm. of shove them into your mouth. Mm -hmm. Disturbing. Wow. But functional, maybe? Oh, do you want me to ruin bizarre, like a, a series of movies for you? Yes, <gasps> please. Oh so, wait, as long as it's not Jurassic Park. No. Okay. Or the Unbreakable franchise. No. Okay. So, Clark Gable purportedly had dentures, and his breath was vile, mm. and people <laughs> really didn't like acting across from him. So now every time I watch a Clark Gable movie. I just know that she's like, mm. oh, <laughs> Rhett, what will I do? Where will I? And he's, <laughs> and she's probably just like holding her breath. Oh. Like, oh, oh I don't man. want to have to kiss that. So he was like the epitome of like a sex symbol at the time, but from afar. From afar, yeah. yeah. Once we get smell of vision let's never not go good. there. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Well, also, I really like, I thought the acting was like really good because there was a lot of like serious nose flaring. Now I know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. She was like very like nose flaring. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, are you acting? I oh, am. No, you're just pretending like In you're smelling nostrils. something. Oh, what? Get her an Oscar oh, for those <laughs> nostrils. That's been your acting lesson for um, that you couldn't see. That you couldn't see, but <laughs> so yeah, you actors out there, you can take that home. Take Please it to the do. bank. Take yeah. it. Take it. It's yours. Yeah. I don't a want it tip anymore. For you. So, All right. The song I chose was "History Erased" by Courtney Barnett, and we don't have to play the whole thing. We probably can. I don't have that much. Okay. Thank you guys so much. That's such a nice compliment that I'm such a great singer and that I sing just like John Lennon. Thank you. That's really nice of you. I mean, I wasn't fishing, but I like what I caught. I, I don't even know where to go from here. Oh, you guys are probably wondering, you listeners, just, what was just happening. Start talking well, over him and just dive right into what you were going to say. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Okay. So today is June 24th. 2019 and 645 years ago today one of the first or potentially the first outbreak of what is commonly known as St. John's Plague or St. Vitus's Plague mm -hmm. or Coromania broke out in the German city of Aachen and I know y'all know what I'm talking about, but for anyone out there who maybe doesn't, this is what we also call the dancing plague. Um, 
Though the dancing plague is a little bit of a misnomer, it seems like a combination of widespread hallucinations and jerking and twitching similar to that that might accompany a seizure. White people dancing plague. Sorry. (laughs) The white uncle dancing plague. Uh, Sorry, sorry. Um, and we've actually talked about it on the show before, but it's one of my favorite pieces of weird history. Pretty much all the forms of mass hysteria, really. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Every time I'm like, do you wonder if you would have been one of them if you were there? I think I probably would have. I very much follow the crowd. <laughs> but you're so logical. I don't know. We'll have to set up a very elaborate prank featuring mass hysteria and see what it does because that's really the only way to tell (laughs) but there's also some stuff saying that maybe it was accompanied by like spores from a harvest or like from plants that were like floating in the air that were like making people get high and then dance until they like collapsed and sometimes died in the streets Mm. um but yeah i have a song yeah oh yeah she she does she does yes wasn't there a um, Japanese mass hysteria where like one girl couldn't stop laughing in a school? Oh yeah, yeah and then that. they all couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. One of my favorite mass hysterias is the cat nuns in France, oh. um, where one nun started meowing, <gasps> and then just like all of them started meowing. <laughs> you know what I bl- you, you know part of it is just like not being exposed to a whole lot Maybe. like we're all stuck in this village and uh, one of them starts dancing or like I what else I mean there's nothing else to do yeah I mean it's so strange that <laughs> like boredom with mass hysteria it, right? it's so strange that like so many people would decide to do one thing right because they think it's cool I'm not sure I feel like you're happening with he's, you he's like every trend mass hysteria <laughs> that's exactly Exactly what I'm saying. Thank oh. you for that. So, are you trying to start something with gnome core, or what's the plan? <laughs> and that's gnome, as in like G and that is. Yeah, yeah. I would be wearing a pointy beanie cap, but it's too hot. So, but he's wearing long sleeves, which mm-hmm. I don't understand. Uh huh. And clogs. Yeah, I remember that shirt. Is that from Old Navy? Uh, maybe. I think. Uh, Buzz Marketing. No, I think we were like together possibly when she got it, and it was like. Like over ten years ago. Oh no, I oh, know that was which a one you're speaking of. It was a. Um, Are you telling me that shirt's ten saying, years old? <laughs> no, I don't think I have any clothes from ten years ago that <laughs> are still. Oh, uh, it was a different shirt with moons on it. It I was think. actually um, hot air balloons. Oh, that. But it was I remember a similar, that shirt. Yeah. Like. Placement. Placement. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember everything Emily ever wore. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> the course of our friendship. Except when it comes to hot air balloons and moons, they're interchangeable well, for yes. Jennifer. They're kind of similar shapes. Yeah, I, I mostly remember everything Emily ever wore. <laughs> Except for that shirt. Ooh, she might have a spreadsheet. Like a creepy spreadsheet of everything you've ever worn. Wow. Or all of us. Does that give you control over us to know what our dress patterns are? I don't know. You predicted what I was wearing a couple weeks ago. That's true. I mean, it was flannel. You're wearing flannel right now. (laughs) You're always wearing flannel. But, you know, it was impressive at the time. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes I wear other things. I mean, I can't prove it's it it's not all the same flannel shirt that's true it's different, different flannel this different actually flannels. is the same flannel shirt from last time no. but usually no, it's I not that one was the yellow and, and oh the no it was one. yeah yeah mm-hmm. huh. 
huh. different flannel shirt. Actually, that was the one I was picturing when I predicted it. When I'm not able to be here in the studio, I freak them out by telling the future. Hmm. I call them. Yep. So. Um, All right. Should yeah. we twist and shout? Play the as song. performed by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, it's just been an absolute pleasure to be speaking into a microphone and putting words out there for your entertainment because that's what this is all for you should all give yourselves a pat on the back for being good listeners Mm -hmm. oh yeah you didn't interrupt us not even once thank you yeah so kind yeah and um you can expect this kind of energy every week if you listen um Every Monday from 6 to 7, you can also look us up on Instagram or Facebook. Just look under the words Dream Infringement, and you'll see all of our really awesome content. We've made so many videos and also used um, picture uh, apps a lot. Yes, we have. Yeah. (laughs) Scroll back a bit, and you'll see a brief moment in time where we all had infinite amounts of energy oh yeah we were just like really producing small videos videos. motion pictures yeah yeah apparently like my old computer died and like the program that i was using to superimpose images Uh no no longer exists on any current platform oh my goodness it was such a good they were so good well we're gonna have to kick it old school and get some new old newspapers out and some pictures of ourselves and just like get some scissors going you know some tape sounds scary (laughs) (laughs) cut out the eyes cut out the words of different (laughs) magazines can save it for later and use it as a ransom note. All right, listen. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> listeners, just know, take this home and keep yourself nice and cozy in bed, knowing that I love you and the rest of the um, Dream Infringement crew does not love you as much. That's a fair point. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Yeah. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I like y'all a lot. We're just Thanks not for as listening. emotive. Yeah. We we mm-hmm. can't. Bobby has a certain level of intensity. We don't know you. <laughs> yeah, but Personal. I know you. I know all of you. Bobby. We know Miriam. We, oh, love we know you, Miriam. Miriam. Miriam, we love you. Yeah, all you yeah, listeners. Sure. Yeah, thank no, you. A lot of love for you, Miriam. Yeah, and Scott. Don't yeah. forget Scott. Scott oh, with yeah, the gong Scott. in the forest. Yeah. If you Mythical. get to know us and listen, we might also say we love you in your name on the radio. That's true. That's true. <laughs> special for you. And Just, Steve's mustache. Okay, I don't know what that means, but it <laughs> <laughs> sounds nice. Oh, Steve, my father-in-law. Yeah, <laughs> Steve's mustache. We we love you too, Steve's mustache. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Bye. See you next. See you next week. Ta-ta.